Happy Friday, developers. Today is July 14th, 2023, and welcome back to our Roundup episode, where you can catch up on the episodes you missed and get a quick rundown of the past two weeks from Podrocket. So let's get started. First up, we welcome back Tom Preston Werner, GitHub creator and co-creator of Redwood JS, to talk about how the Redwood team is going all in on React server components. In this clip, he talks with Noel about how new technology can feel like it's being reinvented, but it still moves the industry forward. Last time you were on the show, you were talking to us about the decoupling that like GraphQL provides. We've had this history where big frameworks would always kind of be opinionated and obfuscate away the request layer away from the developer. So like you wouldn't have to think about this because there is some overhead to like doing that kind of request response, pipe that to the front end work. But I think that there are a lot of compromises made when that is just all being handled, which we touched on before. And now in this blog post and with some of the direction that we're going with server-side rendering, this kind of as an industry at large, I feel like the relationship there is a little bit murky again. Have you felt that kind of SSR is antithetical conceptually to that decoupling that we had for a long time of like Gatsby.js and API layer and that front-end rendering layer? This is classic in the technology industry and especially in software development is that people joke that we're just reinventing like what the web used to be, right? Oh, you have a request and the server generates a response and sends it to the client, right? And you're like, oh, we reinvented PHP, right? That's the classic <laughs> joke. You could apply that joke to like almost every technology that we've ever created, right? Someone comes up with some new sort of system and they're like, oh, you just reinvented public transportation, right? Uber. You're like, oh, that's, you just, you invented buses, right? <laughs> you're like, well, kind of. Mm -hmm. Kind of yes, but also kind of no. And the best way I've heard this explained is that people think that this is like a cycle. Oh, we have static generation on the server. And then we have PHP and now we're doing dynamic things. And then I created Jekyll a bunch of years ago. And then it was like, oh, you know, we, like we got dynamic and now we're getting static again. It's like, oh, people said this with Jekyll too. It's like, oh, wow, you reinvented like Apache serving directories of content. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, yes. Kind of, but I added something to it. There's a layer here, there's a build step. Like it's doing more than that. Yes, it's taking things that we used to do dynamically and saying, maybe they don't need to be done real time every time. Like that you have better security, better performance when you don't do that. But you're still able to do a lot of the things that you could do. So yes, it's a reinvention of things that we were doing before, but with something added. And so you can think that this cycle looks like a circle, but really it's a spiral in kind of a 3D space, like a slinky. And as you go around in that cycle, you're also going up. So you're adding layers, you're adding capabilities, you're adding complexities, you're able to solve more problems. And sometimes things get messy and it's not like this perfect, beautiful spiral. But I think that's really the reality is that, yes, we go back and forth because oftentimes there is no clear cut winning strategy. We also had on Trudy Kapoor, Colby Fayok and Jason Langsdorf to talk about Stack Overflow's 2023 developer survey, where we discussed the impact Next.js had on React development. While Node and React remain the top two most popular frameworks, Next.js has jumped from 11th place to 6th place in the past year. So what do you think has driven Next.js's increased popularity? And is there anything specifically that has come out in the past year that you think is driving this growth? And this one might be for the hot take section, but I think when the React team starts openly saying, if you're using React, you need a framework and you should be using Next.js, like you're stacking the deck there. I would agree with Jason, like React 
seems to favor Next.js as a framework. And I think that could be driving up the popularity of Next.js. It is coming out with features like React Server Components and streaming out of the box, which makes it easy to adopt as a framework. So I think there is some truth to the statement that Next.js is becoming really popular. But I also think the fact that React is favoring Next.js as a framework is contributing to that popularity a lot. And I think some of the like politically things aside, I think Next.js has always had a really good developer experience to it. And I think that's one thing you got to kind of hand them to. I still kind of am more leaning towards the pages router, but you know, the app router is still a little bit new. So who knows if I eventually get to it, but they do care a lot about having a great developer experience and it shows. And they're also like some of the greatest marketers in the game right now. We can talk about the Vercel team as being technologists, but what they really are more than anything is marketers because they build OK Tech and they launch revolution. And I think that the hype machine that is Vercel, it's hard to argue. You know, they've shown that in both clothing choices and slide designs, like they're going for Apple and that's going to be like a game that they play really hard. And I think as long as they've cornered this market of saying you need Next.js or else you're a bad web developer, which is the way they sell it. And the React team coming out and saying like, yeah, if you use React, you need to use Next or else you're not doing it right. How many different ways can you slant in your own favor? It's hard to argue with. They're going to keep growing. So thinking about how the React team is obviously like more slanted towards Next.js, how do we think that's going to change how React apps are developed? How do we see it changing? How other frameworks are competing with Next. In the Apple analogy, do we think that we're going to see less and less of other competitors to Next.js? Or do you think this might be just a moment in time where Next is the React framework? I think it's spurred a trend, right? Everyone's got a framework kit built on top of their like web component library tooling, right? Like Svelte is Svelte kit. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's just the normal. Like, people want SSR. They're convinced they need it. And I think that's just the trend we're going to see. I think, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, are there other players in the React space like end up having any sticking power and longevity? Or if you open a new React project in 2025 and you assume it's always going to be next? I have to say it's very concerning for somebody who works for an enterprise and is maintaining a React application that probably wants to use server components, server rendering, streaming, and now has to think about if this feature is going to be supported by React natively, or do I have to like now think about how I'm going to migrate my entire app into Next.js app? And as an app as big as Slack, for example, that migration is not easy and it's not going to happen over time. So are we going to suffer because Next.js is the framework of choice and we don't have a path to adopting that right now? Or is there an easy way for developers like us to adopt the new features. And finally, we had our very own host, Tejas Kumar, talk to Paul about how Zod and TRPC can be valuable tools for developers working with TypeScript. So do you find that Zod and TRPC lend themselves very well to being like a silver bullet when teams are facing issues and you're going to advise them and you're in these meetings and you're saying, listen, like I have this thing, this technology in the back of my head. I'm sure it can help this process a lot. Is that a silver bullet for you that we're going to be digging into today? Yeah, I don't think it's a silver bullet. I'm very skeptical of silver bullets, but it's definitely a very valuable tool for sure. Because 
I feel like there's a lot of praise and joy around TypeScript. And TypeScript is, nowadays when I hear like people hate on TypeScript and say JavaScript is better, I don't know what to do with myself, right? I've got years of lived experience where typos are just a thing of the, I don't think about typos anymore. I don't think about if the number is not a number, like all of these things are solved problems. I, I use my auto-completion and I trust myself a lot more thanks to TypeScript. So TypeScript is amazing, but I still feel like TypeScript, at, for users at least, solves half the problem. What I mean by that is TypeScript doesn't necessarily solve DX plus UX, where UX is end user experience, but TypeScript does solve DX. I feel like the missing piece of TypeScript is where there's IO boundaries that are out of TypeScript's visible scope, where TypeScript has no idea like what's going to come to you over the network or when, if you read from disk, like TypeScript has no idea of knowing what's coming. And that's where things break down. Or in the case of like form inputs, right? You, TypeScript has no idea what a user is going to type. And users often will try and type stuff that they shouldn't, right? I once did a talk recently at React Miami where I made the mistake of creating a collaborative, like everybody type a CSS rule in real time and we'll have a nice time. And I expected people to go Comic Sans or make the text red or something, but somebody did display none and then nobody had access to anything. People like to just enter data that maybe they shouldn't. And so TypeScript falls apart at dynamic boundaries like that, disk IO, network IO, that user input. And so as great as it is for DX, I feel like it falls apart in, in user land. But this is where Zod shows up and it's like, hey, we complete the picture. We close the loop. We make TypeScript robust on both sides of the spectrum. And so I think that's what's really exciting about it. Could you talk to me a little bit about what is Zod and is TRPC is not Zod. That's a separate thing. And could we rope a definition for TRPC into the definition for Zod? Yeah, absolutely. In the case of software, Zod is a validation library that in a very basic sense will, you, you give it a schema and you say, I have these keys in a key value pair, like an object. And this key is supposed to be this type. And it has even better helpers like this type, not just a number, but an optional number or a number within this range or an, et cetera. So you just give it a schema and then it will validate that schema against any input you give it. That's what Zod does. It's just a validator. TRPC uses Zod as a validator for its work. And so you might ask, okay, what is TRPC's work? TRPC stands for TypeScript Remote Procedure Call draws a lot of inspiration from gRPC, which we probably scope for another podcast. But tRPC is a communication framework between server and client. Think of GraphQL, right? GraphQL is the same. It's an RPC-based approach, meaning a remote procedure call-based approach that establishes a contract between server and client. In the case of GraphQL, this contract is described by the GraphQL SDL or the schema definition language. TRPC has the advantage of just being TypeScript. So there, there's no extra language specification to follow. TRPC combines a router and procedures such that a given route calls a given procedure with predefined input and output schemas. So like a simple example is a, greet, a greeter app, a greeting endpoint where you have a route slash greet. It accepts over HTTP post. It accepts a body of name is the key and the value can be Paul. And that schema of the input type is something that Zod enforces, both on the server and on the client. So that's the synergy between Zod and TRPC. So Zod is this validation library that ensures objects, numbers, any type is what you expect it to be. And TRPC uses Zod 
to make sure that your HTTP data across the network boundary is what it's supposed to be. And that's it for today, Friday, July 14th. You can check out the full episodes linked in our show notes or on our feed. And if you like what you hear, follow PodRocket for more great web development content. See you at the next roundup. This episode was brought to you by LogRocket. Try it for free at LogRocket.com. 